The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We have a loaded show today. We're going to talk about the NBA free agency. Bobby Portis is still a buck. Joe Ingles now a buck. The Bucks bring back Javon Carter, Wes Matthews. We'll talk about it all. We'll go through the whole thing and break them all down as we are grown accustomed to, as you come to expect. Uh, we're also going to talk about the crazy Big Ten realignment, what it means for the Wisconsin Badgers, where we're going from here with college football. Just a full conversation there. Then we'll talk about the Brewers for a second. Um, just another potentially dumb loss. Would we qualify it as a dumb loss? We'll talk about that. And then lastly, we will make promises about properly rated, overrated, and underrated. Our favorite Friday game because I've let you down yet again. But we'll do that at the very end of the show. It's going to be a long one. Hopefully you're sticking with us. Hopefully you're following along on Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, TikTok. If you saw on those channels, we had the Jonathan Davis catch. Did pretty well for us on both both channels, so make sure you give that a like. We did some free agency breakdowns with Bobby Portis and Joe Ingles. We're going to do another one with Javon Carter and Wes Matthews tomorrow morning. So stay tuned for that. We're also going to probably get to the Big Ten stuff with the Badgers at some point. A little duplicating, but you get the feel. So hopefully you guys are following along. Hopefully you guys uh, like what we're seeing. If you have any ideas, feel free to reach out. We always like to hear them. And then lastly, uh, just make sure that you're uh, rating and reviewing and you're telling your friends about this. It's a great weekend to spread the word, spread the church of having the keg. Um, so I hope you guys are doing that. hope you're saying, all right, yeah, check out this podcast, man. A uh, couple local, well, really a local dude talking sports, and then his buddy pops on once a week. It's a pretty good gamut they got running, but I appreciate that. Okay, I've wasted enough of your time. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. The day went, I think, the way a lot of people thought it would, right? I don't think there was a lot of trepidation from Bucks fans heading into this one. Even when Bobby opted out yesterday, nobody really lost their shit. Nobody went crazy that Bobby Portis had opted out of his deal. Everybody sort of remained the course and felt just fine about what was ready to transpire because most people were confident, even though it wasn't reported anywhere, that the Bucks were gonna do a deal for Bobby anywhere from four years, 40 million to four years, 49 million because of his early bird rights. Sure enough, Bobby Portis gets a four year, 49 million. The Bucks give Bobby as much money as they could possibly give him in this contract, which was basically the Bucks thanking Bobby for taking a discount last year. With Portis taking a discount last year and helping the Bucks continue to mold their roster, they basically paid it off the following year by giving him his contract. And I don't think they ever went against their work. I think Bucks deserve a lot of credit for going up to that 49 million, going above and beyond, leaving Bobby absolutely no choice but to take this deal, not putting any breathing space there, right? Maybe learning from a P.J. Tucker mistake where they might have been too cavalier or nonchalant with P.J. or they just weren't locked in because they went through the finals run. The Bucks had their ducks in a row and it was a beautiful thing to see to start with Bobby Portis. And now he has a big deal and it'll the expectations raise. We talked about it a lot on yesterday's show, so I recommend going back to listen to having the keg and Mitch and I, because we really did break down everything you need to know about what where Bobby Portis is at. But if you didn't listen, and not to be repetitive, but we are going to expect more. We should expect more. Bobby Portis is now an $11 million guy. Like We have to expect Bobby Portis 
to be better and you have to get those career numbers pretty regularly also too it might not be the worst idea to have Bobby as your starting four in the 2023 season when Brooke Lopez is done right that's a very Packer-esque move for the Bucks to sort of get their next move now if they feel like Brooke has two more years left I could see a two-year deal for Brooke I don't know, $22 million maybe or something like that, similar to what like Nick Batum got, who's also right around Brooke's age uh, this year. Obviously, Brooke will be a little older, but I think that would be a very fair deal. Like, I, I really do. I think we're not here to talk about next year. Like, we're way far away from that, but we'll see what happens. And I think Bobby is beloved in this city. I have not seen a guy that this city has put their arms around and given a big old fucking hug more than Bobby Portis. And it's different than really a lot of the Packer stuff. Like people will point out, you know, Bobby's in that Hall of Fame of John Kuhn. I think Donald Driver's in there. I would consider Jordy Nelson. Um, Niger Morgan for the Brewers would be in that mix as well. Um, those guys really have a lot of fans and it's just casual fans and it's moms and it's you know people who don't know a ton about oh Gary Payton going to Portland Trailblazers that just broke with Shams I'm up late doing this so if you're like wow that's interesting that Gary Payton no longer on the Golden State Warriors good for Gary Payton but anyways uh you know everybody is a Bobby Portis fan and this city loves him and I think but part of the reason why Bobby wanted to stay was because of the love that this city has for him and of the love that they have shown him time and again. Bobby Portis going to Colectivo and going to the sausage shop in the last two weeks was no accident, right? I think it was Bobby maybe reaffirming that he wanted to be here and knew that the love was still strong, right? And I know that's kind of like psychoanalyzing, just the guy going to collect, doing something at Colectivo and doing something at the, at the uh, West Dallas Sausage Shop. But I, I really think it matters. I, I do. And I, I think guys need that. I think athletes need to hear that. And so now you have four more years of Bobby and you hopefully can bring home a couple championships. You hopefully can have Bobby with three rings and then he can go play for whoever the lottery team is four years down the road. Maybe it's the Brooklyn Nets, right? And Bobby can just cash out and enjoy you know, this next part of his career. Because it'll be 30. So there is still time for Bobby Portis to get another deal. Like, that is still on the table for Bobby Portis. He could get another deal at the, at a similar rate, honestly, if his production stays up. So we'll see that years down the road. Who knows if I'm even doing a podcast in four years. Well, man, I, things, things will have to start happening for me to continue to be doing podcasts four years down the road. But... It is a good day, and to have Bobby Portis back is welcomed, and I look forward to seeing how the Bucks continue to implement him, how he continues to improve. Guy's only 26. I will just throw that out there. Like, he is not fully developed. Like, there is still time for Bobby to be great. I think it's not out of the question that Bobby could be a six-man-of-the-year contender for if everyone stays healthy and he's not starting you know, a majority of the games, I think there's a real chance that Bobby Portis could be a six-man of the year, even though they do prefer guards in that award. It's very rare that a big guy wins that award. But we'll see. Moving on from Bobby to the other signings, Joe Ingles is now a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. His wife broke that story, 
said he was pretty, quote, bucking happy that he's now part of the Milwaukee Bucks. Ingles comes on a one-year, $6-million-ish deal. Uh, they didn't have the official contract numbers just yet, but Ingles is now a buck, and I absolutely love the move. I, I don't know how you can't. I It's a really hard one to hate. I saw Bart Winkler, who I love Bart, but he's trying a little hard. It's like, if you don't like this Ingles deal, you're a casual. He's right. If you don't like this Ingles deal, you're kind of an idiot. Like, honestly, you can worry about the ACL thing, which we'll talk about in a second here. But, like, it is everything the Bucks needed, right? The Bucks lacked another wing. They desperately needed another wing so that Grayson Allen was not playing meaningful minutes and that the pressure was taken off Grayson Allen. And Joe Ingles can do exactly that. Joe Ingles being a 40% three-point shooter is going to pay off dividends for the Bucks. The fact that Joe can sit in the corner and wait for Giannis passes or wait for Drew passes and just knock him down with ease is a great thing to have. It's a guy who's played on, you know, in clutch minutes in the playoffs. I feel okay if Joe Ingles is out on the floor in the final five minutes for the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know if that will be the case, but all I'm saying is I would not have a problem if Ingles is part of your clutch time lineup. He's He definitely can be there for them given how well he shoots. Now, hopefully he doesn't lose his shooting touch in the playoffs like every Bucks player has done for the last two years. Also, Ingles is really a crafty guy. Like he can do a ton. I know that's a superlative for white guys that's used often, but it's true. Like he is a great playmaker. He's really good off the pick and roll. I think there are just so many things to like about Ingles offensively and how perfect he fits in with Mike Boonel's system. And then defensively, he's not a sieve. I mean, he's old, right? He's 34 years old. So obviously he might not be able to keep up with everybody in the league, but the guy can get under people's skins. He is a shit talker. And you add him to the mix with Bobby Portis, with Grayson Allen, and Giannis at times, right? A little bit of Drew. Those guys are going to, they're big. They're, that's a little dog mentality. That, that's kind of bringing back that PJ Tucker attitude, right? And I really think that you're going to see more more of the Bucks getting into little skirmishes, little like, yeah, you can't do that. And it'll be led by guys like Ingles. Bobby always is the enforcer. That will not stop. And as for the injury, I know a lot of people will point that out and say, well, this guy had an ACL tear in, July, in January. You're probably going to get him back by Christmas. I mean, that would be best case scenario, right? I think worst case is he ends up at the All-Star game, and that's when Ingles comes back after the All-Star break. It was pointed out, you know, Suki Hobson got brought in to help Jabari's ACL tear, and the Bucks kept her after that. Uh, that was from my guy Shafty. I think they know what they're doing around an ACL tear, and I'm sure Suki looked at the medicals before the Bucks pursued this, and Suki said, yeah, it's fine. Like, this is an easy one. We can do this, this, and this, and we'll have it taken care of. I guarantee you they consulted her. They looked very closely to her. Bucks have a very good training staff. And if there are people questioning it, they don't understand. And that to me is the, that's the one. You don't, you're casual if you don't understand what the Bucks have done from a training perspective. So I imagine that Joe Ingles will be just fine come playoff time. I'm not going to act like it. the regular season doesn't matter. I think we learned our lesson about that last season. It does matter. But I think they can survive the first two or three months without angles and then it's just a nice healthy upgrade he'll have more than enough time to get comfortable before the bucks get into the playoffs so i am all in on the angles deal 
I'm also a big fan of adding back Wes Matthews and Javon Carter. You just look what's out there for Wes Matthews, uh, what's at wing, and there isn't a ton, right? It, where Wes has taken money, I think that they are perfectly fine with the type of value that Wes can bring to the Bucks team. He is a guy that's a well-liked in the locker room. He is a leader. He can start if need be. He is a Swiss Army knife. I do think that the Bucks and Matthews himself need to work on A, a little bit better in conditioning. Like he could use a 20 pound haircut. Like, I, and I didn't know you're like, Charlie, you're not one to talk. Like you're, you're a heavy guy too. Well, I, I know when, when someone looks kind of fat, like I, I, and I'm not saying Wes is fat. He's an older guy, but if he lost like 15 pounds, I think he will be really productive. Like I, I think that could elevate his game dramatically. And I think that could make him a little more of a threat on both sides of the ball. The interesting one is Javon Carter, though, right? Will Javon Carter assume the starting, the not starting, that's Drew Holiday, but will he assume the backup point guard role? Like, will that be Drew Holiday? Will that be Javon Carter's? Or will they go with George Hill? Or will they go out with a veteran minimum guy who we can talk about here in a second? Uh, that to me is the biggest question I have right now after day one. I realized day one was a fucking whirlwind with a lot of news, which we can talk a little bit about at, at, after this. But yeah, I, I think Carter deserves that. Like I think Carter, if he has a full year to be the backup to Drew Holiday, I think by playoff time, he will not get too antsy. Like he looks so antsy in those playoff games. Like I think that's what people forget about the Carter stuff. I agree that Carter should have played more. I'm not denying that. And then they know there are people already, oh, there he goes. Carrying the water again for the organization. No, I think Carter should have played, point blank, all right? But he really struggled with the the offensive side of the ball. Like, it just, he didn't want to shoot. Like, there were multiple moments where it's like, all right, Javon, just shoot the ball. And he wouldn't want to shoot. And I feel like if you don't want to do that offensively, then that that creates a problem. That's, that's a problem right there. But I still thought his defense could have been used. And we saw what Gary Payton did you know, uh, for Golden State against Boston. And now it just got Gary Payton a fucking three-year, $28 million deal. So there you have it, right? Uh, it's, it says a lot. So what's next for the Bucks? Well, the Bucks don't have that much money money left. They have a Emma, they have about a veteran minimum that they can use, and that's it. That's really all they have. They can make a deal. There's also not a ton of roster spots for rotation. The rotation looks pretty damn full um but you never know you never know what to expect things can things can kind of go go sideways but uh jake reitz who's a great follow on twitter j-a-j-a reitz um great just brewers box the whole thing he said these are some veteran minimum candidates that would be good for the bucks austin rivers jeremy lamb wayne ellington tony snell mentioned mike muscala he's going back to oklahoma city Robin Lopez, Markeith Morris. He also said Bismack and Aaron Holiday and Ben McLemore. Um, first of all, I am very much out on Markeith Morris. Markeith Morris is no fucking way. Absolutely not for Markeith Morris. I don't need that guy in our locker room. Morris and Giannis did not seem tight. I don't think Morris is the type of guy that Giannis would do. I'm also absolutely out on the idea of Tony Snell. 
Why do we have to keep pretending Tony Snell is actually a good basketball player? Because some guy created a fucking Twitter account that says Snell season. Like, what are we doing here? And I know, uh, and I'm now second mention of him, but I know Shafty was ranting about that earlier today, but he's absolutely right. Like, Tony Snell had three fucking points a game. Like, what, why are we catering to this guy? Like, the best Tony Snell season was 2019 and 2020 when Snell had eight points or averaged eight points a game. That's been his career high, or his, his high for the last few years. Like, he, he's not a good player, all right? So let's just kind of leave the Tony Snell stuff out and let that. I also am not a huge fan of Robin Lopez. We have enough retreads. We have enough sort of bubble vibes. We don't need Robin back. I'm, I'm cool with that. I think Wayne Allington would be a nice add, but I feel like we have a lot of kind of Wayne Allingtons. Um, Austin Rivers... I think is the number one here. I think Austin Rivers would be great. Um, to me, that is a upgrade over what George Hill is. And that would be a nice little combination with him and Javon Carter. And if they could figure out a way to move Hill, move him off that deal, maybe talk to Popovich, be like, hey, do you want George Hill? Like, just be like, we'll give you George Hill. Do you want him? Like, I know you guys are tanking, but do you want George Hill? Uh, that would be that'd be ideal. Um, but yeah, way out on Snell, way out on Morris and Lopez. I, I'm pretty out too. Jeremy Lamb, uh, I, I I just always feel like Jerry Lamb doesn't give a shit out there. Like I don't know, it, he he has such a sleepy face, and it just I don't I just don't like watching him play basketball. Um, Bismack Biombo be awesome. I'd like Bismack. Uh, I think that would, you'd add some size there. But I think the focus should be on a point guard versus a center. I feel like we saw with Abaka that there wasn't a ton of minutes to go around when Brooke and Bobby were both healthy. And then Macklemore, I'd like, I mean, he's like a pedigree guy, but I feel like at this point you are what you are. I mean, it's not like a Wiggins or like Kevin Knox today who signed with uh, Detroit. Like he's a little old. Like at this point he's kind of a bust. Uh, Aaron Holiday would be awesome. Uh, we talked about Aaron Holiday a lot on yesterday's podcast, uh, but we'll see. We'll, we'll definitely see what happens. Uh, we'll see also too if Jordan Nora comes back. Um, again, not a lot of minutes for Nora. I I don't know if I was a team, maybe like a tanking team. Like if I was San Antonio and I just needed a guy who could score and I didn't really care about your defense. Yeah, maybe. And he's played in a system similar. Maybe I throw a deal. I don't know why San Antonio's on the brain, but they, they just are. They're the only team I know right now. Oklahoma City, I guess, would be another example, although I couldn't believe the contract they gave Lou Dort, but obviously they see a path. Like, they see a pathway. I wouldn't be surprised Oklahoma City's sneaky good this year. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they screw themselves with uh, French Vic. I'm not I'm not going to try to pronounce the name. I almost did. It's like, I think it's Wembenyama. I think that's how you say it. I think that that's so... For my first time, and it's late at night, I'm taping this podcast because I know I need to get this up for you guys. The fact that I did that is amazing. Wembenyama, I, I I love it. Second time, not as strong, but I'm there, man. I, I like French Vic, um, but Wembenyama, yeah, Wemby, I think is I've heard a lot. Like, yeah, definitely uh, the only two teams at this point I think we can put in the Wemby sweepstakes, but it's crazy that we're doing that on, on July 1st. So we'll see what happens. Uh, probably not breaking into the podcast um, until, well, we'll talk about the schedule at the end. But yeah, I, I don't imagine us doing an uh, emergency pod for any of those guys uh, this weekend. 
other NBA thoughts, um, you know, I the Durant stuff is absolutely wild, right? Kevin Durant requests a trade. Um, he says preferred location was Phoenix. I think I saw two Miami, um, but I, I couldn't find that. But Phoenix was definitely the team that Durant would prefer to go to. It makes a lot of sense, right? You could send Aiton and Mikhail Bridges and a bunch of picks, and there's there's what you have. The risk there for for Phoenix is they better win a fucking title. Because if they don't, they're kind of screwed long term. You get Bridges and Aiton out, you have no sort of young t- I mean, as you have Booker, but that's it, right? At some point, Booker's going to look like the scene in Fresh Prince and everybody's going to be fucking gone because they're old. Durant, Chris Paul, and Booker is a scary combination. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. That would be a very tough challenge for the Milwaukee Bucks. That would be as good as it gets from a big three versus big three. And I wonder if Durant wants to go to the West given the shit that Golden State talked, and I would imagine Durant kind of wants to beat them. Like, I, I think that's his goal. He said he would go to any team but Golden State. Now, some people are like, you should ship him to Sacramento and just say, fuck it. Like, who cares? Uh, but I, I don't know if that will happen. I don't think so. Keep him out of Atlanta. Atlanta can offer a lot. It's scary. It scares me. I'm very concerned about Atlanta. Now, I know the Nets said they want two All-Stars, but if you had John Collins and Bogdan Bogdanovich, and if you wanted to add Okonwu, who I think is a star in the making, you add that with Ben Simmons, maybe a playing team, right? Oh, Patty Mills there too. Nick Claxton, I think, is back as well. So maybe you don't need Okonwu. But, like, I don't know. That that's, feels at least borderline playing team. Haven't I've said Steve Kerr? I don't really believe that Steve Kerr can coach. Like he has no idea what he's doing out there. He's just like, yeah, roll the ball. But and he gets a lot of credit because he has a lot of friends in the media, and that's how it works. But so I'd be interested to see what he would do with an actual team versus just a couple superstars who are telling him what to do at every point of this game. So that one scares me. Toronto also terrifies me. Um, and the fact they could offer either Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi. Pascal Siakam, and then you add Nick Nurse in that conversation. Boy, oh boy, that could be. But I, I do wonder. I, I, I'll just throw this out there. Think there's any ill will for Durant about how the Toronto fans cheered his injury in Toronto? Like you, that has to matter, right? Like I, I think at this point Brooklyn's not going to work with him that much, nor should they. I saw Justin Termini, uh, who. Is a decent like guy. I don't follow him on Twitter, but I, I enjoyed him on Bill Simmons' podcast. I forget when. He was on podcast, I don't know, during the season, whatever. Termini said this. The Nets gave Durant over $40 million when he sat out an entire season. How does he repay them? One playoff series win and a trade demand. Ouch. He's right. He's absolutely right. Um, I think Durant comes off terrible. Um, but there have been no moves yet. Where I look at a team, I mean, the Philly, Philly running it back, I guess the only headline from the Bucks contenders, people Bucks have to worry about, is Philly basically recreating the 2018 Rockets, but now with Embiid and a slower James Harden. I don't know, man. PJ, giving PJ Tucker $10 million a year when he's 40 years old, I think it's actually 11, that's fucking absurd. That's absolutely crazy. By Daryl Moore, who I thought uh, Mad Dog today on first take had a great, 
great comparison when Mad Dog compared Daryl Morey to Billy Bean. He's like, gets all the credit. You put him in the Hall of Fame, but he hasn't won anything. What does he want? He's Billy Bean. That's a, that's a good fucking Mad Dog, by the way. Um, I've worked on that. Um, it's a lot of conversations with Murph, but my Mad Dog is top titty right there. Okay, so I hope I hope you hope you understand that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Philly running it back. I'll see how it works, man. I'm you know I I'm not a believer in Philly. Doc Rivers is as big of a choke artist as it gets. Somehow held on to his job, didn't get fired, which is crazy. I thought for sure uh, Doc Rivers would be out of a job. He isn't. Uh, he's back. That's wild. Um, Embiid, who knows, right? Is he ever going to actually stay healthy for an entire playoff series? Uh, James Harden again. Uh, small game James. Uh, Brick Ross. Like, how, how can we trust any of that? I don't know. Oh, I'm, I'm glad PJ is just cashing checks, though. Um, good for him. Uh, you, at this point, I mean, can we all just kind of have an honest conversation about PJ as a mercenary? Like, he, he is, right? I mean, I don't know, man. Get the bag. Chase the bag. But, man. Definite, definitely mercenary behavior uh, with three teams in the Eastern Conference in the last three years. So we'll see what happens the rest of the weekend. Like I said, I don't think I'm going to be breaking in until Tuesday. But if like the Bucks trade Grayson Allen and George Hill for somebody, we're going to probably do a podcast. So we'll uh, we'll see. And you never know. Uh, the The league never sleeps, as Worldwide Wob pointed out. Who's at times a little bit of a loser, but he's you know he does a good job. Um, he was like, he's just a loser for the Snell thing because he stole it from Mark Titus. And I can't forgive that. But he made a point that, like, the Paul George uh, trade happened at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. And I weirdly remember that because I, w- I was at a wedding. My guy Doe's, it was his wedding. And I, I think, passed out, whatever, n- midnight, usual wedding type. I think I, like, woke up. Like, I think I was like, I need water, cotton mouth, or whatever. And I looked at my phone and like I had a breaking news from ESPN that like Paul George got traded to the Clippers and I and I was and for Shy Gildas Alexander. It's like what the fuck? Like he kind of a little bit was like, did I dream this? Put my phone down, went back to bed, and then yeah. So who knows, man? You never know. We could we could wake up and there could be a whole other whole slew of deals that that have happened uh, overnight. You never know, but we'll see. It's exciting time just like it is for college football, which we will go to next. Moving on to college football. We did a lot in the NBA. Holy crap, 27 minutes. Uh, we'll have to be quickish on college football. We'll maybe talk a little more about this as we get more details, but UCLA and USC are now in the Big Ten. They will be in the Big Ten starting in 2024. Um, that is the same timeline as Texas and Oklahoma. And we have went from a power five to a power two. The Big Ten and the SEC won out officially, and you will have 20-team conferences. Now, I think that is absolutely absurd. I don't think, it's not necessarily I don't think this is going to work, because I think it will, but I just think you have a different style of football. I don't think this is exactly the college football that I've grown up on. Will I consume it? Sure. Some people compare it to the Live Tour. I'm not there just yet. We'll see. Um, but I do think this builds an even stronger case for not only a 12-team playoff, but a 16-team playoff or even a 32-team playoff like the FCS does it. Because you look at this right now and you see it and it does make you sad. 
Uh, my dad was kind of amazed by it. Like he, I broke the news to him. He's helping me with some car stuff, and he was like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "That's that's crazy," and it is. It's nuts, but it, it works if you think about it. Because I was thinking, I was walking and I was thinking about it today, and I'm like, "All right, so if you're the Badgers, right?" And we'll use them as our example because we talk a little bit about Badger football. We haven't done a ton on them, but. It's usually a later summer stuff, and we'll ramp it up and talk a lot about them this fall. But if you're Badger football, right, you go out to USC for a game, and then you come back and you host UCLA, right, for example. Or if Oregon and Stanford are there, you also have that, where you're, you'll go out to Oregon, and then you'll come home and you'll play Stanford. Now, I don't know how they're going to do the 20, confer- the 20 teams in a conference schedule. Right now, they play 10 conference games, and they play two non-conference games. Are they going to keep with that? Is it going to be just one non-conference game? Are they going to lengthen the season? I doubt that they would do that because that would be competing with the NFL and be running into more of college basketball, not that they care. I mean, college basketball at this point is a pure afterthought. Um, but will what, what happens in that scenario, right? Like where... How do they figure out the scheduling? Like that's that's the part that I, I I'm having a tougher time grasping on, right? Like I do think there will be divisions. Like I think at this point we have to look at the SEC and the Big Ten, like the AFC and the NFC of the NFL, right? And so if that's the case, we'll probably have five teams per a division. And, there, and that will kind of be your opponents that you play every year. And then you'll play a non-conference and who knows how they'll set it up. It's probably a podcast topic for another time because I go on my pen and paper and I will definitely nerd out on this. Like this is something I've basically just given myself homework over the weekend. And I love this homework because I, I definitely think you can put together a schedule. So you're like, well, why, why do you need to change it? Like, why do you want to be like the NFL? Look, it works. The NFL is a money-making fucking machine. It absolutely works. And it's going to bring in copious amounts of revenue for these schools. And the NIL deals will get richer. And college football is basically just minor league NFL, which has been for a long time. And I think we all kind of had our heads buried in the sand and we appreciated the traditions. And I think the traditions will still be there New rivalries will spring up. There will be recruiting battles. Fan bases will start to hate each other. It, it will not necessarily be something where we never have that again. Just some of those rivalries might not exist. I think the hardest decision that will have to be made is by North Carolina. Because I think North Carolina will be one of the four teams that the SEC pursues. Does North Carolina leave the ACC, one of the chartered members of the ACC, for the SEC, for the football money, when you're a basketball school? Now, there have been rumors, speaking of basketball schools, that Kansas might leave the Big 12, go independent in football, and then play in the Big East for basketball and every other sport. That would be massive for the Big East. And if the Big East could also add Gonzaga, which has been floated out there in the past, now looks a little more realistic than it did, I don't know, uh, two or three days ago. Um, 
wow, all of a sudden now the Big East has Gonzaga and Kansas. And now we're talking about what the old Big East used to look like. Okay? So back to North Carolina, they can either go to go to the SEC, play in the SEC, or play in whatever conference, probably still the ACC, that Duke is in. And I'm sure they'll add teams. I'm sure the ACC will obviously be watered down. But do you keep that rivalry with Duke? Or do you just say, all right, look. Look at Kentucky-Louisville, right? Kentucky-Louisville is still a fierce basketball rivalry. They play it every year. It's a huge deal. It's a huge event. Why couldn't we just do that with North Carolina and Duke, right? Like, why... Why couldn't we just do that with North Carolina and Duke? And that's that. And I'm sure there's that side of the argument. The other side of the argument is tradition and what's always been done. But I don't know if any team can actually say no to this kind of money. That's that's the part of it that I, I have trouble breaking away from. I think Badger fans should be very happy that they don't have to worry about this. Because I think if you're doing a podcast and you're a Baylor fan... You have no idea what's next. You're probably still in the Big 12, but the Big 12 looks like an absolute puppy dog at this point. Or if you're a Cal Cal fan, it sounds like Stanford might jump and Cal's going to be left behind. Cal's done a terrible job with their academic, or not academics, their smart school. But Cal's done a very diff, bad job with their football team. They just have not put a lot of money into athletics. Um, their basketball team is absolutely trash. Stanford... Oregon, Washington are much better selections if they're going to pillage the Big 12, or uh, Pac-12, excuse me. And then they'll add Notre Dame. And Adam Rittenberg had something today where source told him, like, it's getting harder and harder for Notre Dame to be independent. And it absolutely is. And I wonder, so Big Ten, the Big Ten's deal is up, right? The Big Ten needs a new contract. They're going to get a new contract here, and I think it's very soon, Right? If you're NBC, and NBC has lost, you know, they lost uh, hockey, and hockey all of a sudden became, I think, really more popular. We talked about it on this show over the summer. If you're NBC, and you have Notre Dame, and you have that contract, talk to Notre Dame, and you're like, hey, look, we're going to go after a Big Ten, we're going to attach you to it, and you're going to be a part of the Big Ten in football, and every other sport, and we're going to make sure that you still get marquee games, that we will put it in the contract, that Notre Dame will still get some preferential treatment. What do you say to that? And you have USA there, which can be your sort of secondary TV network. I don't know. I Do not count that out. Do not count that out as a, a potential because I, I think Notre Dame will look at it and say, you're telling me that we could be in a division with Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and maybe Wisconsin, which would be the Badgers. But, you know, that's our division. Those are the teams we play every year. Tell me every couple of years we'll play USC. Tell me every other few years we'll take on uh, Stanford, right? You got to be for it, man. I, I don't know how you don't know how you kind of run away from that. I really don't. And I definitely think that there's going to be some serious conversations being had in the Golden Dome about what Notre Dame's future is. And I think the future is the Big Ten. 
So where so we mentioned a little bit of like if I had a Baylor podcast or Cal podcast, I'd be going nuts. Like where where do you leave those teams? I think right now you have 129 teams in college football. So you have four. So basically we take away 40. And if we do the math there, if we're little math majors, 89 teams are still left. It's a lot of teams, right? So I, I still think that, yeah, you might have some conference dissolvement. Um, some conferences might have to join forces. But you're still going to have enjoyable football. Football is going to be a little different. You might have East Carolina in the fucking ACC, right? Um, it's crazy to say that. But who knows, right? Like, it might, that might be what happens. You might have uh, Boise State in the Pac-12. Pac-12 decides to stay together. Uh, maybe North Dakota State gets the call up, right? At this point, don't you have to actually ask that question? North Dakota State, it's been, it's been much ballyhooed about bringing North Dakota State up. Maybe it's finally the time. Maybe that's the time. But, yeah, it's a absolutely wild scenario. I realize we didn't talk too much about the impact on the Badgers. I think... I guess what I'll say at the tail end here, um, to live up to the intro, as bad friends are like, what the hell? Um, it's going to be really difficult for Wisconsin. Wisconsin's going to have to amplify a lot of shit that they do. They're going to have to boost their NIL. They're going to have to figure that part out first. The second part of it is that they're going to have to make sure that they are at least in that second tier. And if the playoffs expand to 12 or 16, that you're giving yourself a chance. But right now, they are way down the line. Not way down. I shouldn't say that. But there is a elite class, and right now the Badgers aren't that. It's Michigan. It's Ohio State. It's USC. We'll see what happens with the Big Ten. I will do a conference uh, schedule divisional thing uh, next week. Hold me to it. Um, you will have that content because that's the type of content I absolutely love doing. All right. Shows went pretty long already, but let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers really quick. Uh, what a bad loss for the Brewers. You come off beating the Rays twice. Vibes are sky high. We're talking about how we bought into this Brewers team. And what do they do? They give up three runs early because of two, eight, two homers given up by Adrian Hauser. He then leaves the game with elbow sniffness. Seemed to be optimistic about it. Hauser had had Tommy John back in 2016. So it's been a while for Mr. Hauser since the Tommy John injury. And then the Brewers battled back. They tied the game once. And they just could not seem to hold it down. Pitching was brutal tonight. Michael Cruz, a lowly hitting catcher, hitting one fucking 29, hits three home runs tonight. Unbelievable. And the scouting report obviously sucked for Cruz. And it was not a favorable strike zone, but I'm not going to blame that. I just think they had no idea what they were doing against a really bad hitter. And that's embarrassing. And that's, I think, what makes it a dumb loss. I was like, because remember we did that thing, I think it was around the Mets series, where I was like, oh, it was, yeah, it was after that Thursday loss that was a dumb loss. And that was their last dumb loss of the year. And I said, you can't keep piling up dumb losses because you'll look at it at the end of the year and you're like, if we just would have won that dumb game. It's another one, right? The Brewer, If the Brewers don't give up in the last home run to Perez, and again, everything was low to him, and I had no idea why. After he had hit out two low home, low home runs, Brewers went low again and pitched him low, and sure as shit, he took him out. If Perez doesn't hit that home run, we're tied, and who knows what happens in extras. 
And PNC is a weird park. I say that a lot. It is, I swear. Dumb things happen in that stadium all the time. So I'm not going to get too discouraged by it. But I, I hate Doug losses. And that's, to me, the more I think about it, the more I qualify it as a dumb loss. Originally, I was like, yeah, you were down all, all game, but it really was one you probably should have had at the end of it. So that's my thoughts. I hope it doesn't carry over into the weekend. Uh, Corbin Burns tomorrow, which is a nice, nice, easy, like, comfort blanket. We're like, okay, we got Corbin on the hill tomorrow. Hopefully he continues to do what he's been doing. But, yeah, all in all, man, pretty good night for the crew in terms of batting. Like, you look at – the Brewers had 12 hits in this game, right? I didn't think the Brewers hit a home run in this one. No, they didn't. They, that was the first game without a home run in a long time. So – Really good stuff from the offense. They just did not get the pitching that he needed. Every guy that pitched tonight gave up at least one run, and three out of the four gave up uh, multiple runs. So that's that's rough. You, you don't want that. It's never, it's never going to uh, get the job done. So I definitely, definitely think that the Brewers are in a fine spot. I'm not going to freak out too much about it, but definitely an annoying loss for the crew. All right. I am not going to do overrated, underrated. We've went long enough this late. I will do a couple. I All right, fuck it. I'll do a little bit. But I will say I don't have an overrated. And what I made, the promise I will make to you is that I will come prepared. I will try to write something down, try to think about it during the week. I'm bad at that. Where I'm like, oh, I have this segment, and I have nothing for it. And, and I think sometimes it's it's always hard to get the last one. Like, I have, two, I have a properly rated. I have an overrated. Or an underrated, excuse me. but I, And I have an overrated, but it's kind of one that I don't really like. It makes me feel uncomfortable. So we'll talk about that at the end. But we'll do properly rated, we'll do underrated, and then we'll do overrated at the very end. So properly rated, I'm going to give it out to Seltzers, okay? Like, I don't know how people feel. I think everyone has an opinion on Seltzers. They're overproduced. I think everybody does a Seltzer. I think you're not a company in alcohol beverage if you don't have a Seltzer. Obviously, the reason why is because they make a ton of money. Women drink them, men drink them. You know, everybody drinks them. Everybody enjoys seltzers because they're refreshing and some are easier to drink than others. I personally can only have like one or two though. I can't do more than like one or two. And then it's kind of like, ah, it's just a lot of bubbles. Like I just would prefer a vodka soda. They give me a vodka soda any day of the week. Even vodka and like sparkling water. Uh, if you're at home, right? That's more like an at-home drink when you have just the sparkling water lying around the house, the flavored stuff. Like I'm looking forward to it. We have lemon and strawberry here. Like I'm definitely having a vodka lemon tomorrow. Like and that'll be great. And that'll be nice and refreshing. I think we have some fresh lemons too. Like your boy will fancy it the fuck up tomorrow probably because um, I have nothing to do because none of my friends are in town. But that's here and there. Um, so anyways, yes, I'll put seltzers at a properly rated would love to hear the ones you like. Um, I, I think High Noons aren't even... I don't know if High Noons count as seltzers. I like High Noons a lot. I think that'd be my favorite. But to me, that's more... It's more in the vodka category than it is the seltzer category. I realize they call themselves seltzers, but whatever. Tomato, tomato. Um, as for underrated, um, my underrated thing is case races. So I was watching the Yak and... They had a thing where they were doing a case race for a birthday. Second case race they've done. Um, it was awesome. 
And I don't think case races get done enough. I don't think people do case races like they used to. And maybe this is me being an old man. But I, I feel like case races are a thing of the past. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just don't have young friends. Because obviously it's a young man's game. You're not doing case races at fucking 35. But still, I, would, I would, wouldn't mind doing a case race. Like, how great would the Tapping the Keg case race be? Be like, oh, Charlie, great. You're promoting alcoholism. You're damn right I am. All right? But I, as long as you have, like, a safe environment, right? You have a backyard. You have, you know, you, you kind of make a pledge. We're not going to go out. We're just going to stay here, get fucked up, and then just see what happens the rest of the way. I think it would be great. Like, I, I think that would be a great time. Um, so if we can figure it out, I would love to sponsor a Tab in the Keg case race. So I think we would have a blast. And I don't know. I think, and it also too, like, do you do two, uh, like, you do it in so many different ways, right? You could have teams of five and say, all right, it's uh, 60 beers or something like that. Or that's a lot of beers. That's actually, that's intense. You could do, I don't know, like 45 beers or something like that. That's a little more reasonable. Um, let's, no, that's not even reasonable. That's like nine beers a person. So, uh, whatever. I'm not going to try. But, anyways, yeah, you could do it with multi, you could do a full team. Do a team of three, team of two, with like a thirty rack or a twenty or a twenty-four rack, something like that. Like definitely a hundred different ways to skin it. I just realized how much I enjoy things like that. And I just don't do them anymore. Probably because I'm old, right? But never grow up. And same goes with like Edward Forty Hands. Like if you were given the opportunity, ask yourself this: If you were given the opportunity this weekend to play Edward Forty Hands, would you play? My answer is yes, and I don't know what that says about my maturity. Because I would play. Now, would I do it with, like, OE, Old English, for the casuals out there? Um, no, i probably not, right? I'm not, 